0: hi thank you for joining me on holy spirit feed this is jen johnson i can't wait to share what holy spirit has been revealing i'm praying that your spiritual senses will be open to receiving what holy spirit has for you As a continuation of our growth series, we're going to talk about something that we all do, waiting. So I've entitled today's episode, What Are You Waiting For? So waiting is just a part of life, and there's plenty of scripture about waiting on the Lord. Psalm 27, 13 through 14, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 2. There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every matter under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. So yes, there is a time to wait on the Lord, and then there are times to do other things. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to take off our waiting hats. This is a quote from Chris Vallotton of Bethel Church. It says, what if we are spending our lives waiting for the ultimate opportunity when God is waiting for us to believe what he already said about us? You know, sometimes things happen in our lives. Things go wrong for a couple of different reasons. Number one, it's our fault. Sometimes bad choices, bad habits, sin. Not all, but some things are from our own actions or lack thereof. And as for those things that we have caused, they are actually our responsibility to correct. Should you sit in shame and do nothing and wait? Or should you take responsibility for your part, which is belief and faith that things can change, and take action to move forward accordingly. Sometimes I feel like we are sitting around waiting for God to move when actually God is waiting on us. John 19 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And then the Bible says he took our sickness and removed our diseases. So all sickness, disease eradicated on the cross, enemy has been defeated, disarmed. We have been given every spiritual blessing. We are called to subdue the earth. Genesis 128, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We are here to take dominion. Matthew 28:18 through 20 And Jesus came and said to them All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you All authority has been given to us Now we need to go and make disciples He gave us that authority Sometimes we hear that verse and we think, oh, that's for the missionaries who are going to Africa. They're going to make disciples of all nations. True, they are. And you're thinking, well, hey, I'm not called to Africa, so I'm off the hook. Not true. You make disciples of this nation, of your coworkers, of your friends, your kids. And you might think, well, how do I do that? Well, that's up to you. But quit waiting, because there are pre-disciples out there waiting for you. There, of course, like we talked about, there is a time to wait on the Lord for something. But more often than that, I feel like people use that as a crutch, as an excuse to not do anything, to not grow, to retract into their couch. I'm not sure if any of you have seen, there was an old video game commercial where this kid just gets sucked into his couch as he's playing the video game. Um, And then there's also a show on Netflix right now. It's called Made. And the storyline is there's a young woman and she's in depression, basically, and she sits down on her couch and she sinks into her couch and she disappears. Like, the special effects are pretty good. And she was just there inside the couch, waiting for the depression to leave, waiting to feel better. Now, is depression real? Yes. Is Jesus realer? Yes, of course he is. And I don't speak as someone who has not experienced depression. You know, I have been attacked every year to some level in the winter months for like 20 years or so, since I was like 20-ish. Um, And some of you may have experienced that as well. And I bet that more people have at some point struggled with depression and maybe just didn't identify it as that and just worked their way through it. And then on the ditch on the other side of that, there are some people that have been afflicted by a spirit of depression, attacked, struggled with symptoms and focused on it, maybe even too much. Instead of fighting, maybe let that depression spirit hang around, gotten comfortable with it. Yes, the fact is you may have symptoms. Don't ignore them. But that's not your depression. Don't claim it and wear it and receive it. Reject it. The enemy gave that to you. You don't have to carry that. You don't have to keep it. Don't make depression your pet or it will stay for a long time. Jesus never gave you depression. If you are experiencing symptoms of it, he didn't give them to you. So don't just roll over and take it and wait for them to go away. Take action against it and get rid of it. So back to that show I was talking about. Did the young woman get better waiting from her position within the couch? No, she got better because she got up and she did something. So we just use the example of depression, but it could be any other thing in your life that's holding you back. Hence the title of this message, What Are You Waiting For? Some of us, without even realizing it, wind up coasting in our walk with God, not really doing too much proactively. And you know what? We can't coast. We're either moving forward or backward. You can't stay where you are. Recently, I went through a short season where I just had a lot of things happening and I felt like I was being attacked. You know, some things happen like we talked about because we make bad choices. And then some things in life, they just happen. You get a flat tire or something like that. But then there are times where things are happening. It seems like they're attacks straight from the devil, like trying to stop you from your calling. I have a quote here and I'm not sure where it came from, but I wrote it in my phone when I heard it (laughs) and I've kept it in there ever since then, and this was a couple years ago. But it says, For every blessing that God wants to bring in your life, there is a demonic spirit that wants to stop it. I'm going to read that again. For every blessing that God wants to bring into your life, there is a demonic spirit that wants to stop it. So what are we talking about here? Take responsibility for your stuff. Sometimes I'll say, get it together. And then, no, the enemy will attack. And don't just sit around and wait for him to stop, because he's not going to. Take action. During that season where I just felt like I was getting attacked, um, I got sick twice during that time. I lost my voice. And hey, let me tell you, that's a really good tactic of the enemy against someone who preaches, right? That little sucker. I mean, come on. But some other things happened. My car got keyed. Our sump pump overflowed. That's terrible if you've ever had that happen. Things on our house, they just, a couple things needed to be fixed. Our carbon monoxide detector broke. I mean, come on. Little Lucy is trying to kill me. Like, no joke. He is. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. Praise the Lord for Home Depot. I just ran out and got another carbon monoxide detector. So we're good. And we just had some other house stuff happen. Anyway, I had the thought during this time, some of these things are just blatant attacks. It's clear. I know the enemy's trying to stop me from doing what God's calling me to. And I thought, okay, I either need to pump the brakes and quit doing life or hit the gas. You know, I didn't even have to think about it twice I knew what I needed to do. I knew that I needed to hit the gas, full throttle, Jesus. Amen? Proverbs 24, verses 3 through 6. We're going to read this in the Passion Translation. Wise people are builders. They build families, businesses, communities, and through intelligence and insight, their enterprises are established and endure. Because of their skilled leadership, the hearts of people are filled with the treasures of wisdom and the pleasures of spiritual wealth. Wisdom can make anyone into a mighty warrior, and revelation knowledge increases strength. Wise strategy is necessary to wage war, and with many astute advisors, you'll see the path of victory more clearly. It says here, wise people are builders. Not waiters. And we're not talking about waiters at a restaurant. Come on. So to build and wage war, that's pretty much the opposite of waiting. It's doing something. John 5, verses 1 through 17. We're going to read through that through all 17 verses. So hang in there. Listen. Stay focused. This is a great story. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time. That's a word of knowledge right there, guys. Anyway, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. I want you to notice there, he did not actually answer Jesus's question. He had a whole other narrative than Jesus did. Okay, verse eight, it says, Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now the day was the Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, the man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said that to you? Take up your bed and walk. Now the man who had been healed did not know who he was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. Come on, how many withdraw when there's a crowd? I kind of (laughs) do. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him, and this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered him, My father is working until now. And I am working. You know what? It sounds like Jesus is not waiting. He just said his father's working and he is working. I just want you to take note of one more thing. Jesus said to the man, he said, see, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. The enemy grabs onto your sin And holds on for dear life, making things worse for you. Get rid of it. Get free of it. Okay, so the invalid man at Bethesda, he had lots of reasons or even excuses why he was waiting. He says, there's nobody to help me. And then when he goes, others cut in front of him. I often wondered, like, could you just be waiting in the water? You know? Like, they knew that the angels were coming to stir the water. Like, just already be there. Be ready. Be in a position where the Lord can bless you. Could you just already be postured to receive God's grace? Can we just be there already? Or do we want to be waiting on our mats? We don't know the answer to that for him in his case if he could have just been in the water already for the angels, but as for the reasons or excuses why he hadn't been able to get there for 38 years, you know, the enemy is more than happy to help you come up with excuses why you can't do what God says, and he will whisper them in your ear as long as you will listen. A popular one I hear from Christians is, I'm waiting on God's timing. It sounds very spiritual, like it does. How many of you have heard it? I know you have. Come on, multiple times. Some of us have said it. I'm sure I have at some point in time. But here's the translation. In some cases, I'm afraid I can't do it. Okay, fine. But God never meant for stagnation to be a part of our lives. That's not abundant life. The river of living water, right? Not swamp, not cesspool. It's a river. Jesus said to the man, Get up, walk, get it. Let's do this. My daughter, when she'd play basketball or get ready for sports or something, she'd look at her teammates and she'd say, Let's go, with like all this passion and excitement. I feel like that's what the Father says to us sometimes. He's waiting. And then at the end of that passage, I just want to reiterate, Jesus is like, my father is working, and I'm working. Work with me. Let's go. So he was working. He wasn't waiting. Some of you are waiting right now. You're waiting for this episode to get over so you can get to the next thing. (laughs) Instead of waiting for the next thing, let's engage with this. If you are in a place where you can actually stand up right now, I'm going to ask you to do that. Stand up, move around a little bit, roll your shoulders, and repeat after me. I'm done waiting. Come on, say it like you mean it. Ready? I'm done waiting. You know, this is symbolic of how sometimes we wait for things to happen instead of just getting up and doing something. Get engaged in life, in God's plan for you be intentional. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap up for today, but Hey guys, definitely join me next time for part two of what are you waiting for?